I'm Anne, co-host of Transparency in Teaching, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another great episode of My EdTech Life. I am excited to be here with you today, as always, bringing you terrific guests, terrific conversations, terrific topics. And again, as always, I just want to thank each and every single one of you for all of your support and making My EdTech Life what it is today. Thank you all for checking out our shows. Thank you all for viewing our, uh, you know, our YouTube channel just sending your reviews and things of that sort. We really, really, or I really, really appreciate it. And again, as always, thank you to you all because you are my PLF and we do what we do again for you. So thank you. And today I'm really excited because I have a very special guest and my guest, but, but you know, we connected on LinkedIn because I'm very, you know, on LinkedIn, I'm always sharing some stuff there. We connected on LinkedIn. I was just letting you know today, I just found out she had Twitter today, so I immediately followed her on Twitter. So I'm just really excited to have connected with a wonderful educator who's doing some great things and very interesting position that she is in, in her school district. And of course, we're going to be talking about her love of science and STEM, but also she is uh, very uh, innovative with PD. So I'm really excited to welcome to our show, uh, Coral Zayas. So, Coral Zayas, thank you so much for being here with us today. How are you this evening? I'm doing so well, Fonz. Thank you so much for having me tonight. Oh, well, well I'm excited to chat. I mean, like I said, uh, we met on LinkedIn, just, you know, hey, let's follow each other. Or we followed each other just because we were kind of in that same circle of comments, posting and things of that sort. And then I was like, hey, you know what? I see that you're posting a lot on LinkedIn and some of the stuff that you're doing. I was like, man, this is great. And then I started viewing your profile. I was like, yes, a couple of my favorite things here for sure. STEM, when I saw that, I was like, all right, definitely uh, STEM and, you know, the PD component that you do. And I said, I definitely have to get Coral on the show. So I'm excited that we get to have a nice conversation today. But Coral, before we get into our conversation, as always, there may be some uh, viewers that are watching uh, the show either for the first time or getting to know you for the first time. They haven't connected with you or are not familiar with your work. So if you can give us a brief introduction and maybe share a little bit of your context in education. Sure, I'd love to. I'm originally from Puerto Rico. I was born in Puerto Rico, but I was raised here in Texas. Um, I did most of my education here until I went to college. So I got to explore a few other states and lived abroad for a little while before I came back. I like to say that I've been informally in education since I was 12, kind of the age group I like to teach. Um, I started tutoring at a local library when I was 12. Um, my mom encouraged me to do that. And I have been in education in one role or another since. Formally in education for about 13 years now. Um, I've worked in both K-12 and higher education, taught from fourth through college and pretty much every subject under the sun um, since then. I've just kind of found my wheelhouse in STEM 
in the last probably five years or so. Um, I've been using tech in education since I started as a teacher in 09. Um, and it's just kind of all, all the worlds kind of meshed together in the last few years. So that's kind of what brought me to the position that I'm in today. Wow, that is wonderful. That is so great to hear. And I mean, just, you know, it, it's interesting that I had a, a guest a while back. I think it was last week or the week before. Also, very similar story in the sense that tutoring from very young, you know, providing that and just going straight into education. And so that's wonderful to hear that story. So obviously, it was something that you were dead set on like, hey, this is what I want to do. And this is what I'm going to follow in pursuit. So that's great. All right. Well, let's talk about this because we have a lot to talk about. Because as you mentioned, you mentioned, you know, we're going to be talking about STEM, we're going to be talking about PD. But now that you mentioned that you've taught from pretty much from fourth all the way to higher ed and everything in, uh, you know, pretty much under the sun. You know, I definitely want to get some perspective on that and just uh, the seeing things through a different lens, you know, from elementary and higher ed. But first of all, let's go ahead and kind of build that up and then we'll get into the STEM component. But some of the things that I'm passionate about are really, got, you know, finding a connection between what we're currently doing now, the technology that we're seeing now and the future of learning and the future of work. And as you you can tell on my posts on LinkedIn, I'm very much into Web3, AR, VR, uh, you know, seeing that as the future of learning as I've had several guests and we're seeing the higher ed space just, you know, boom with AR, VR usage and things of that sort. But from your experience, you know, going to higher ed and then in elementary, what would you say some of the things that that we could probably do a little bit better in K-12 space to prepare our students, not only just to transition into higher ed, but also to involve a little bit of that future of learning components. I love that. That's actually where I started. So I started in higher ed and I started, I'm a first-gen student. So I started in college working with first-gen students in high school. Um, and so I was doing that college access, college prep kind of mentality in those first few years that I was in education and really kind of helping them transition between high school and college, understanding that route, especially for all the, my fellow first gens. Like we didn't get that kind of content in, in high school, right? We learned all of the main subject areas, but nobody taught us the ropes of how do we even get to college and how can we be successful in college? So that's kind of where I started. And so I've always been really interested in like connecting what's happening in the education space with industry. Like I've looked at trends of what's hot in the newest jobs and in the next 10 years for years. Um, and I, I tried to support students in that. That's actually what I started advising, like math and science specifically. Like if you're liking math and science, these are options. Because I was one of those students. I, I thought that I was going to be a doctor growing up. And I got talked out of it months before senior year started in high school. And I had no other idea what else I could do with those passions. Nobody talked to me about what other options I, I landed in. So it's funny that you, you thought that I would just, I just started in education. But my first degree is actually in international relations. I did my research in education abroad. And so it just like looking at that idea of connecting what's happening in the classroom with what's happening in what we say the real world, right? In industry. Um, so I'm really interested in the CTE space and how are we doing college and um, technology education for students and creating those pathways from a young age so that they're learning about what's truly out there, wh whether it's the Web3, 
the AR, VR, which I'm also really interested in, and just making sure that they are getting exposure to that young, because we know that at certain schools, they're coding in kindergarten, yet we go to other schools and they don't have a single coding class until they're in middle school. So already there, we're seeing a massive discrepancy in what kids are getting access to and the opportunities that they're being given from a young age. So I think really looking at those pathways and seeing, okay, if our jobs are focusing on AI, Web3, AR and VR right now, why are we not having those kinds of classes in our high schools? And the ones that are, they're the ones that are considered the innovative schools, right? They're the ones that are already bringing that in. That shouldn't be just in our innovative spaces. That should be happening in all of our spaces so that our kids are able to see what is out there and already getting prepared for that. Oh, I love it. Like you just like, yes, I am excited because this is something that I'm truly passionate about. And you mentioned something that's very important. Also, like you said, really those paths and CTE is something that is a great opportunity for a lot of students to be able to get exposed to those skills. However, like you said, sometimes it's access, sometimes it's really the programs. How can we, you know, take those programs to the next level? And some of the things that I've noticed is with a friend of mine, uh, you know, he works for a school district, neighboring school district. And, you know, the, the amount of work that he puts in into building the relationships with industry. And he's really, you know, forward thinking and looking like you very, you mentioned yourself looking at what is out there right now and the trends and see how we can bring a little bit of that, or at least those skills that are transferable to those, to our students now, because oftentimes what I see is that programs stick to the basics, which are, you know, usually it's going to be like floral design, or they're going to be doing, you know, beauty, uh, they're going to be doing, you know, and usually it's a program, which we are already oversaturated with in our area. And then you start seeing those numbers dwindle. And I think it's something that's very important that we're missing out on that component and that piece because the right now industry is looking for people that are innovative, creative, uh, forward thinkers. They've got those soft skills. And a lot of students are yearning for something like this. But I, I was talking to my guests last night and we did talk a little bit of how just the standardization of learning because of the standardized tests that now you're taking a piece of technology that is meant to help harness creativity, build some of these skills, the collaboration, critical thinking, and all those components that go into STEM, but they're trying to even standardize that, um, uh, that piece of tech to just really build the skills for A, B, C, D, E. And I'm like, oh, it just breaks my heart. It really does. Yeah. And, you know, like, you, yeah, you mentioned too, it's just that, and having that equitable access to the tools, to the coding tools, the coding curriculum and things of that sort, that's something that's definitely very important. So on, on your end, you know, and currently working in your position, what are some of the ways that maybe you're taking this passion that you have right now and kind of, you know, bringing it to teachers and kind of just bringing a little bit of light to what is out there? In, in a few ways. So something that's really unique in my district is we have, um, we call them ISSs, so Instructional Support Specialists. So I am one in the science team. However, we have STEM specialists as well. So what I love is that we actually get to collaborate in that sense and work with the STEM specialists so that 
students are getting exposure to STEM in science class and students are getting to go to STEM class and experience kind of those other things that you were talking about, right? Those soft skills, engaging them in some of those engineering ideas and things like that. So we're already meshing them across curricular. And that's one thing I'm really excited about and hopeful for is that even in Texas, the TEKS are transitioning in the next two years. And so those science TEKS are going to incorporate more of the STEM in the science classroom. And so that's that's one of those key and those equity issues is that exposure is going to be happening in their core classes. It's not we're not going to have to be waiting until we're in middle school to take some of these types of electives. They're going to see it early on. So I think that that's one piece for sure, just that collaboration and having those um, those types of roles that are letting us connect the dots for kids and giving them exposure to different things. I think that that's one way. But then, um, so for example, I'm also, I really like the AR, the VR and the AI in education. So what uh, I would always pilot them. So whether it was ISTE's AI uh, program, try to pilot that in the classroom. And so now being in a different role, not being the classroom teacher myself, now I get the opportunity to encourage teachers to be the pilot testers and say, hey, I have these merge cubes. We're studying the solar system. There's an incredible lesson on the solar system with the merge cube. Why don't we try that? You know, so it's starting to, you know, share the passion that I have with other teachers and giving them the tools to do that. Because sometimes they don't know anything about it, but even even just encouraging them, hey, I have some resources that we can use. Why don't we try this and see how it goes? Just, you know, pushing everybody a little bit past their comfort zone into their growth zone, um, being willing to try something new. And that's great. And I love the way that you said that and, you know, pushing everybody out of their comfort zone into a growth zone. And that's something that's very important. And I mean, one thing that was very noticeable, you know, obviously, you know, pandemic hit, everybody went virtual. So now teachers actually had to get out of their comfort zone because now they're at home and, oh my gosh, how do I do this online? And getting familiar with Google Meet, getting familiar with Zoom or Teams, whatever the platform was, and be able to provide instruction. And of course, it's very different to from being in brick and mortar and being in front of your students, obviously, because I, one of the things is, is now you are a guest in your students' homes in the sense of, you know, they, they may not want to turn a camera on because of things that are happening. So you're, you're having to get out of your comfort zone. A lot of teachers were thriving. A lot of teachers were, eh, you know, and then there were some that, you know, needed that additional help. But one thing that I did notice was that the teachers, they developed these skills that unknowingly now, even though we came back to brick and mortar, they did come back to a sense of comfort zone and comfort level because the copy machine is going like crazy, you know, and even though we have the tech, but then there are those that just kind of found a new um a way of doing things in more innovative way uh, of doing things. And I'm talking about veteran teachers that were no, I'm never going to use tech. And now they are just like, man, this made my job so much easier because now I have the tools. So that's something that's very important. And I'm glad that you do that because we do have those pocket of innovators in our in our schools that can also serve as that extension for what we're trying to do. So that's something that's very important. And obviously creating that safe space for them too and taking that risk that it's okay if it doesn't quite work out because tech happens, you know, sometimes you just, and like I always tell all the teachers that I work with, it's like, hey, you know, tech happens, just get clicky with it. It's not going to break. Everything's going to be fine. 
you just click refresh or click back and you're good to go. So that's something that's great and important. So let's talk at one more thing though, that you did mention as far as uh, STEM integration that I really loved. Now that the teaks are going to be, you know, changing sooner or later. One thing that I did notice is with, you know, math and a lot of things is now it's going more to like manipulatives, virtual manipulatives, a lot of the things that are hands-on. And I'm really excited to see those components coming more into science where you're getting that hands-on instruction. So one of the things that I want to ask you is as far as um, STEM, there's a right way and a wrong, or maybe the perception of STEM. You know, and, and here's what I think a lot of people always think it's, I always use, it's the marshmallow toothpick activity and they think, oh, that's STEM. Or they're like, oh, you just, you controlled the robot with your phone and they think that that's STEM. In your eyes and through your experience, what would you really say that STEM really is to you? I think that STEM truly to me is the integration of subjects. Like it's the, it's the. It's the interdisciplinary wit that we've just put letters to, if that makes any sense. So yes, we've labeled it science, technology, engineering, and math, but in reality, it's how everything connects to one another. Um, so for me, STEM is that ability to make everything connect, but I don't see it as just like the technical side, right? The, the, the science, engineering, math side. I see it as the integration with the humanities. And so I see it in the projects that are working with the UN Sustainable Development Goals, the global goals, like getting to do STEM problem-solving engineering design projects that are focused on solving a real-world issue. So it truly is, to me, the integration of all of the learning. It's not a silo, which I think that way too many of our schools um, focus on. You're the science person, you're the math person, you're the reading person. No, like we all do all of these things, or at least we should be. And that's how the, that's how students start to see those connections and get into those higher levels of learning. They can't apply their learning if they don't see the connection between A and B. They just see A and B. So to me, STEM is like the epitome of integration of interdisciplinary in, in the schools. And if we're missing that mark, yes, I, I, I also love the marshmallow and the toothpick activity, team building activity at the beginning of the year. But that's like the starting place for right. collaboration and how do we work together? Um, but it's so much more than that. Yeah, no. And I agree with you. And you hit on so many great things there that I did want to bring up, but you brought them up. And what I loved is that you mentioned is we treat school as a silo. I mean, teachers, we become siloed. It's like, no, this is my specialty, which is just either math or this is my specialty. This is just, you know, fine arts or, you know, but or unless you are a self-contained teacher where you're teaching everything. But even then, you have to think that a lot of teachers still always defer back to what their comfort level is and whatever I'm most comfortable with. That's really what I'm going to be working with the most. But I think that's something that's very important. And I always tell the story where I, when I was teaching in fifth grade, I was doing uh, science and social studies, but we still did a lot of STEM within science and social studies and bringing in those components where the students are using those skills to that you're using in science, but we're doing it in social studies and creating projects and things of that sort. But one of the things that I found very funny was that a lot of my students would 
be here for, for science. And we were doing a little bit of math with the science because we had some activities. But then when they go to math, it was as if like, okay, like, like there was a disconnect. Like, what do you mean there's, there's math and science? It's like, yeah, there's math and science. And so it was a, it was a battle to just make that connection and say, Hey, you know, the same math that you're doing here in science, it's very similar to what you're doing over there, but, but sir, but this is science. But so I love what you're mentioned when you talk about making sure that everything, it really, it's, um, what's the word interdisciplinary, but it's, uh, oh my goodness, cross-curricular. That's the word that I'm looking for. And you hit on something very important too, because one of the things that I loved that higher ed is doing right now, and because of the, the, the use of AR, VR, that they are really breaking out of those silos. And, you know, one of the examples, and I know you're probably familiar because she posts a lot. And, and if you follow Dr. Messina Morris and Stephen Grubbs, Victory XR, what they were able to do is you have Dr. Clark from Fine Arts College come into Dr. Morris's chemistry class and she lectures and you're thinking, oh, but they're humanities. Oh, but they're chemistry. No, like you're showing the integration of the learning. And I think that that's something that we are missing heavily within the K-12 space currently. I definitely agree. And I, I think it's funny that you also did the fifth science social studies because that was one of the combos that I did too. And then looped with the kids to six to do the same. And what I don't think that teachers that stay in a silo, like I only teach math or I'm only a humanities, what they're missing is that even I, I know I use the TEKS as an example because I'm in Texas, but I'm sure that it's like this in many other states. There's in social studies, there's an entire science and technology strand of learning standards. I'm like, it's right here. Like it's showing you like the importance of science and technology in culture. So we're just seeing it from a different lens. They connect. You know, um, so I definitely think even even in how we train teachers, like you mentioned, the PD, like um, is there's there's cross curricular standards in every subject area. If we just understood what they were better, they all align with those college and career readiness standards. It's it's that collaboration. It's those soft skills. It's those connection skills. But we're not focusing on that. Right. We're just focusing on what is this standard and this specific skill. But there are more standards and they connect. Um, so I think that that's very much missing in the PD is helping educators understand that you may teach one subject, but it does cross over. And like the math science piece, for example, it's not really until they get to middle school until they're actually doing math in science class, right? You could pull it in an activity in elementary science that is math, the graphs, the table, cool. et cetera. But it's just not as explicit as it starts to be in middle school. So I think that we miss a huge opportunity in elementary school for them to see that they're actually connected. So it's a little bit of an easier transition for them by the time they get to middle school. Oh, I agree. And that's something that's very, very important. And, you know, going back to my days as a fifth grade teacher, it was really bringing in the tech and you know, I, one of my favorite activities that we did with the kiddos was we were creating, you know, the solar system using um, scratch coding 
And then we would bring out the Makey Makey kids and things of that sort. And so those students, you know, were able to get something tactile. They were creating, they were being innovative, but at the same time, they were still meeting that rubric that was, here you go. Like, the, and it was really like, I just learned now that term is like, here's your sandbox. Just don't get out of this, but this, these are the expectations. And they were just able to create. And that's something that I think we're missing out a lot in the classrooms due to, of course, we just got done with testing season. And right now the whole world, or at least all of Texas is just standardized testing. We're doing our uh, HB 4545 everywhere and all of that. And I'm thinking like, this is draining the kids and it's taking away that creative component because now it's like, seems like it's drill, 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 drill. And so we definitely could do a lot better <laughs> for sure in that I sense. Think, sorry to interrupt you, but no. I think that it's not just curbing the creativity of students. I think it's cre curbing the creativity of the educators. Like yeah. I really truly believe that educating is an art form and the best teachers are artists. And like we are taking, when we bring in constant scripted curriculums, you must follow lockstep, boom, boom, boom how can we call that innovation? It's a script that's not innovation. So we're taking away that creative aspect from the educators and from the students alike. And I, to, to me, like that creativity, that that sparking of constant joy for them, like we need to bring that back in like loads full, truck full, you know? No, I agree with you 100%, you know? And, and the thing is, like I said, it's just, we're focusing on those things, more on test prep rather than really helping them. And I think for myself, and I'm one of those, and maybe, uh, I, you know, I like to, I'll do the teak, but I'm going to show you different ways. And again, that's my sandbox and I'm going to kick sand everywhere, but the, the students are going to learn that in multiple modalities and just getting very creative and learning from them. And again, one of the things that we talked about with a, a, another guest that we had is, and she did a kind of like a little survey when she was teaching high school, you know, she, we're talking about creativity. And one of her kids said that, you know, from about third grade on, they lost that creative component up until ninth grade. And then after that, it kind of spiked again. Well, what happens during those years? It's a lot of the testing and test prep. And so the students miss out on those skills that are very important for, you know, to keep them on that STEM track too, because then there might not be any interest in CTE. And then after that, when they go off to college, university or anything there, they're like, nah, I'm not going to go into CTE or STEM or anything, but because they never had that exposure to it at such a young age. And I think that's something that's very important. So Going back to your experience now, I want to just touch base a little bit on some of the the pro professional development components because I want to see your lens too as well as far as professional development. You've shared, you know, your lens here as a um, your current position in the innovative strand as a tech coach, but you also have done uh, trainings for other platforms and ed tech companies, and you've taken, um, you know, upon yourself to learn other platforms. What are some of the things that you feel that as you learn something new and bring it over to a district, what is one way that you can help other tech coaches or maybe somebody getting into this position and say, hey, once you learn something, here's maybe an idea of how to introduce it to some teachers. I think for sure, start small. <laughs> start it as a nudge and a suggestion and a, a model. And like we, we say when we're teaching the class, right? I'm happy to show you how to do this. Why don't you do this alongside me? 
Uh, just taking them along for the ride, I feel is the best way to do it. So I started doing teacher professional development about four years ago, and it was uh, really just the ability to work at a school where my principal believed in teacher leaders and say, hey, I've seen you do this really well in your classroom. Can you show others how to do this? Um, so I think it really starts with just that and a willingness to like come to the table and collaborate and show others what you're interested in and passionate about. So I think that um, it, it's funny, most of my PD experience has all been in the tech space, but that's not what my like day-to-day -day role is, right? But um, I think that just the nudge is important, being willing to model. And for me, professional development that is not um, another script or like ABC, but giving the teachers the ability to find their own PD paths, I think is very important. Uh, I don't think that everyone needs the same level of professional development. I do not think that a brand new teacher needs the same training that a five-year or 10-year teacher veteran does at all. I think they need very different things, number one. Number two, everybody has different passion areas. And so like you mentioned, like for me, for example, I started looking for stuff. I was very interested in different things, especially in the tech space. And that wasn't in my PDs in any of my districts ever. And so I started looking. And so all these ed tech companies had badges that you could earn right. to learn the product. And so I became a badger and I, I, I learned them all. I loved them. <laughs> I even picked my master's program like that. I earned badges in my master's program and I was like, this is it. I can show like my competency. I can show what I know, but that's not what exists in the districts. And I've worked in a lot of them. Um, so I just think like we are, we're encouraged to differentiate our instruction for our students, yet there's not differentiation of professional development for educators. One, two, I've seen some really um, innovative schools do what most industry does, which is provide a PD budget for teachers and say, hey, you have a hundred dollars. And, and I know some have much more than that, a thousand, two thousand a year, and they pick something. What is something you're interested in learning about? Let us know what it is. This, this is how much you have. Well, you can use this money to, you know, further your own growth. I think things like that would be really, really important. But even just asking, the teachers, what do you want to learn about? Instead of like creating the PD plan for the entire year, how many teachers did you ask? What were the topics that they wanted to learn about? Or where are their struggles that they're trying to find solutions to meet the needs in their classroom? So little things like that, whether you are providing the actual professional development or you're creating the system of providing professional development, I think are really, really important. Those minor changes I think would make huge differences for educators and then, of course, in turn, their students. Oh, I agree with you 100%. And I re recently had Dr. Katie Ritter on here. We're talking about, you know, not making PD relevant, but something that they are seeking, that they're looking for. And you're right. You know, oftentimes I think it's because the this is the way we've always done it mentality and this is the way it is or this is what everybody has to do from year in year out maybe it's just to check off a box for compliance and so on but we're missing so many great opportunities for educators like you said that 
you you continue to spark their passion, their curiosity, and uh, you know a way for them to kind of take a risk in learning something new. And also, of course, the badging. I'm all about that. You know, I'm, I'm all about all the badges. So, you know, maybe some a system of that too as well that you can go ahead and provide even within your district. And of course, we know that all the platforms provide badges for them. But I, yeah, I agree with you 100% on that aspect. I think it's something that is due for a change. And we need to make that change soon because there's a lot of teachers out there that just feel, you know, kind of bogged down because there's nothing new for them, nothing sparking that interest. And one of the things that you hit on that was so great is, you know, you're trying to kind of just put them into this little box. and not have them, you know, explore. And yet we want our kids also to be to personalize their learning, differentiate instruction, yet the exam is standardized. Right. So, you know, a lot of things there that are happening. So, yeah, but thank you so much. That was some great insight. That was a wonderful answer. So for any of you that are out there that are going to be possibly moving into a different role or transitioning into a coaching role or providing PD, these were some great tips that Coral shared with us. So make sure that you write those down, jot them down, and then that way you can have them handy uh, when you're up to start your own PDs. Well, Coral, well, thank you so much for, you know, this conversation. I really appreciate your passion. And I mean, we can continue talking about this forever. So we might even need to bring you back for a second episode so we can just really focus more on that STEM component and things of that sort. But I've had a pleasure speaking with you about your current role as a science instructional support specialist, um, you know, doing the innovative strand within your district. I really love the way you highlighted those points for providing PD and just your view on STEM is something so refreshing. And I'm sure that our audience is definitely going to take some knowledge nuggets from those as they re-listen to this episode or those that are watching live right now. But Coral, before we wrap up, you know, here's my favorite part too. Yeah, I think Josh, Josh said it right here. Josh is right here and he's like kryptonite time. So Josh knows the format of the show. Hey, Mel, Mel's dropping by. She's joining us all the way from Colombia. So Mel, thank you so much for dropping by. All right, Coral. So here are the last three questions that I always love to end all episodes with. So question number one, as you see the current state of education and maybe through your experience this year, you know, coming back into the classrooms and coming back to the buildings, what would you say is your current edu kryptonite? This was really hard to pick just one. So I'm going to give you two. <laughs> right. um, for me, for sure, uh, especially with another reminder this week, school safety and student and teacher educator whole building mental health is definitely my my topic. Um, it has been for several years. I helped um, work on some bills with um, a fellowship a few years ago to make some changes for that across the state of Texas. But that is front and center for me many times. Um, especially just educator resilience. And this is not an easy role to be in these days and just making sure that our educators are just as strong as we're trying to build our students. That's one. And then for sure, the equity piece is the reason that I became an educator. It is the reason I stay an educator. Um, and I always think of that image that has the fence with the equality, the equity. Um, but my favorite part is the liberation part. Break it down, take the fence down and let's just, let's move forward. Those are, those are my two big ones, the mental health 
in schools and um, just truly seeking that equity towards liberation, the, the purpose of education, in my view. Awesome. Thank you so much. That was a great, great answer. All right. Question number two. If you can have a billboard with anything on it, what would it be and why? This was definitely the hardest answer, and it's probably not the most creative one. But um, peace, joy, education is the one that I thought of today. I love it. Peace, joy, education. I love it because we definitely need some peace in this world. Joy is definitely something that is not or should not be temporary because happiness can come temporary, but just be like, hey, I'm happy because I got a new iPhone, but joy is something that is in you and it's something that's there, you know, so we, that's definitely something great. And of course, education, love it. All right. And the last question, Coral, if you were to ever start a podcast, which I think you should, because you definitely are well-versed in STEM and, you know, you have so a great passion for this topic. So let's say that this was the uh, Coral Zaya show. That maybe we'll call it the, I don't know, the STEM STEM podcast or I don't know. We'll, we'll think about a name later as we get you encouraged to start your own podcast. But if I was a guest on your show, what would be one question you'd like to ask me? So as a fellow uh, Latino educator, my question for you would be, you're on your way to being part of the 1% of Latinos who hold a doctorate degree, what encouragement do you have for fellow Latinos who also hope to follow that path someday? Oh, my encouragement to them is just, just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Don't, don't doubt yourself. Do not let imposter syndrome get in the way. Don't let anyone tell you that you can't. And if they do, just use that as kind of just a little chip on your shoulder as motivation. Don't let it build a root of bitterness in your heart, because if we do that, I mean, imagine for every time that somebody came against us and we just, you know, grow that bitterness within us, it's not good. Just use it as a little chip to motivate you and do it. And you can show the world that, hey, no matter where it is that I came from, no matter my background, as everybody's background could be very different as myself being a first generation, you know, high school student, for high school graduate, first generation, college graduate, first generation, master's graduate, and now hopefully in two years, first generation, you know, uh, doctor, just do it, do it, do it, because we need people from all sorts of nationalities and backgrounds to be educated so we can prepare the future leaders of tomorrow and give them the opportunities that maybe we saw weren't afforded to us or the things that we had to overcome. Like Coral, you mentioned, you know, we can be those people that knock that fence down. We can be those fence knocker, knocker downs or knocker downers, you know, you know what I mean there, but yeah, just do it. And, um, but thank you for that question. It, it really kind of, it really hit right now. And there's a lot of things going on in my mind right now because of that question. But yeah, just do it. Don't let anybody, you know, get in your way. But thank you so much, Coral. Great question. You definitely, you need to hit record one of these days and start your own podcast. <laughs> That'd be great. Coral, thank you so much. It has been an honor. It's been a pleasure. I am very thankful that I had the opportunity to connect with you, you know, through LinkedIn. Now we're connected on Twitter. And then of course, all our, all our excuse me, viewers, Listeners will be able to connect with you on LinkedIn. They'll be able to connect with you on Twitter as well. And also, please make sure that you visit uh, Coral's website as well, as she has a lot of great information there, a lot of the great work that she's doing. And connect with her because she definitely has a lot of experience in the ed tech coaching 
and of course, uh, in the in this position as the science instructional support specialist, which is an awesome title. I think it's very great. So, Coral, thank you. Your your presence here was wonderful, very motivating, very enlightening, and I appreciate you. So, thank you so much. You're so welcome. Thank you so much for having me. All right, guys. So for those of you that joined us today, thank you so much. Uh, oh, I see Shayla who's joining us también. She just joined right now. Shayla, Mel, Josh, you guys, muchas gracias por todo el apoyo que nos brindan a nuestro programa. Este, tal vez la próxima vez que invitemos a Coral, podemos hacer el programa en español y así para toda, para este, proveer esta información para toda nuestra audiencia de habla hispana. I think that would be a, definitely a great show. So We'll, t we'll think about that, Coral. We'll, we'll set a date and we can do that as well. But to all of you guys, thank you as always, you know, for all of your support. And as you know, the mission, the vision, and the passion of my EdTech life is to bring in creators and educators and connect them one show at a time through various topics and, you know, various, uh, you know, themes and so on but thank you so much for your support please make sure you check out our website at myedtech.life check out all our previous shows check out our merch and as always guys don't forget until next time my friends stay techie